building up godly men for a better tomorrow. This is On the Edge with Ken Harrison, where we inspire men of integrity to put faith into action together. And now, here's today's show. Ken, I attended the event online with my church. I had a great time, but I kept hearing the men talk about God speaking directly to them. And I've read your book, and you talked about long conversations you've had with God. I don't hear God. I don't have conversations with God. I'm really struggling with this. Am I doing something wrong? Yeah, it's interesting about talking to the Lord. Um, I come from a theological tradition where that's not something that was talked about. And in fact, I'll, I'll be honest, I think that people say they heard from the Lord a lot of times to manipulate. So when someone says, you know, God told me, we need to be very careful about that. Um, is this person a godly, humble person who we can really take that from? It's been kind of divided up into tribal camps over the last couple of decades where, you know, charismatics will say they hear from God all the time and non-charismatics or fundamentalists, however you want to put that, um, really don't like to hear you say, I heard from the Lord, but that wasn't always the case. I mean, you look at one of the guys that had, um, some of the longest conversations with God was Jonathan Edwards, um, Puritan extraordinaire, you know, somebody that we all look to as a great theologian, and he would talk about having long conversations with Jesus. Um, I think you need to be very careful when you are hearing from the Lord. Um, when you hear from Jesus, when you're hearing from the Holy Spirit speaking to you, it will always result in your humility, never in your glory. It will always be a calming voice um, that results in, in a peaceful feeling of patience. And his favorite word is wait, wait wait, wait. Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord, be patient and strong and wait on the Lord. Satan's voice, which is we're much more adept at hearing his voice than we realize. And I always tell guys, pay attention because you've, you were born a sinner. So you were born automatically attuned to the voice of the father of this world. And you hear his voice a lot more than you think you do. And his voice always brings anxiousness. It always brings arrogance, like glory to self. And it's always this hurry. You got to hurry. Go, 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 go now, go, go now. So you can kind of tell those two. So as people say to me, you know, um, I had some psycho show up um, about two years ago who told me that God had told him that he's supposed to take back promise keepers, that he's supposed to lead promise keepers. Well, who are you? Well, he was just some guy from California who was a men's pastor somewhere, but he told me that God had let him know that I was supposed to give him promise keepers and he was supposed to be in charge. Now, thank you very much. That, that's just straight from Satan. Then the guy went down and tried to start harassing Coach McCartney. He had found Coach McCartney's uh, address and I had to call Coach's uh, daycare or, or caregiver as he has Alzheimer's and she had to get him out of the house. It was a whole thing. So be careful when you think you hear from the Lord. Um, when you do, it will mean... Work, patience, weight, and humility. And uh, that's how you know you hear from them. How do you hear from them? First of all, you have to be repentant of all known sin. You've got to be someone who's on your knees. I tell you right now, men, if you're surfing porn, you ain't hearing from, from God, period. So if, if you're in that kind of sin and you're unrepentant about it, then if you're hearing voices, it ain't the Lord's voice. And that goes for what are, what are the other sins we see in First Corinthians chapter six, speaking harshly, being a swindler, being greedy, 
These are sins we don't talk about a lot in the church. I mean, verbally abusive is something that the New Testament talks about quite a bit as a, as a terrible sin. If you're talking crummy to your wife or your kids, you ain't hearing from God. You need to get on your knees and you need to repent. He uh, has a way of being very present to those who are humble and gracious and whose lives are pure. And he has a way of being very distant to people who are living in sin. And so sometimes we feel like there's been a wall built up between us and God. Well, he didn't build that wall. We did. You know, people say to me, oh, Ken, lately God feels really far from me. Well, God didn't move. So if he feels far, then we moved. And I feel that way sometimes too. And I'll say, Lord, you just feel distant from me right now. Um, what did I do? Help me understand. And, um, and he doesn't talk to me all the time. In fact, rarely. But it's those moments where I'm really immersed in the spirit where I will hear him. And then people say, is it, a, is it an audible voice? No, but it's so real in my mind that it's almost as if it was audible. I mean, it will feel like someone's speaking to me in the room. Um, it's that clear. So these are like really crystal, brilliant, uh, vivid thoughts that pop in your mind and they feel divinely um, transmitted. And, and so it could be driving down the road alone in the car alone in the cab of that pickup truck. And it's like, that's a really powerful, bright thought. It's, it's, this is a yeah. good thought. Well, there's that, the, the, yeah, there's those like, well, that, that seems like it came from the Lord, but I would not say that was the Lord speaking to me. I would feel like, I would say that as I feel like I was led by the Lord. Like, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll be, Hey, promise keepers needs to go to X city. Well, where'd that come from? And I'll realize, well, that was the Lord. Then I'll pray into that and realize it was. There are those moments when I'm on my knees, always on my knees, always really seeking the Lord and praying when suddenly I'll hear him say, Ken, like that, bup, 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 and I'm like, whoa. And wow. It's an amazing feeling, and I always wish I could stay on that mountaintop, and it never lasts. That's really cool, because uh, I, I know your family, and I know your body of work, and to know that a guy like you still you know, receives that, it's encouraging for the rest of us. And I know a lot of guys out there want to model that behavior. This next question comes directly off our website. Someone wrote, Ken, you talk about Satan dividing us. I've heard you say Satan divides men from God, men from their wives. And if he breaks down men and masculinity, he's going to destroy entire culture. So how do I recognize Satan actively working in my life? Man. Okay. There's a, there's a, there's a, a big one. It's simple, kind <laughs> of, and maybe not. I've never seen a time where Satan's hand uh, is more obvious than right now the amount of division that we have all over the place. And we talk a lot about racial reconciliation, but I would also say denominationally. Um, there are pastors who I've had just attack me. I won't mention any names. Um, you know who they are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's amazing what they will argue about, criticize. They hate promise keepers. I mean, we've had, we've had some major pastors actually working against us to hurt us for no, for no reason other than the fact that we just don't happen to preach their theology and only their theology. And uh, we really don't stay into the doctrinal space. It's not our deal. You know, I mean, we obviously want to be pure and a great, completely according to scripture, but there are those certain people who think they and only they have all of the doctrine correct. And I think they're going to be in for a tough judgment day when God says, man, you are divisive. So what does Satan want to do? He wants to divide us. How far? The ultimate place he can get us is alone. 
He wants us to be alone, and he's being remarkably effective because we see the epidemic of the friendless American male, as you know well. And men in their nature are solo, singular lone wolf guys. I know a lot of lone wolves out there who would do everything to just go hunt alone, spend the weekend alone. We talk about the man cave. I hate that word. I, I, don't, want, I don't want to be in the basement or in the garage. I'd rather watch my daughter and my wife. Help me. I mean, help me understand this uh, danger of being alone. So, yeah, you are very, very much uh, in trouble when you're alone. Notice in Scripture, um, the only guy who was ever alone for a long period of time was Elijah. But when Elijah came to his great moment of testing, it fell apart like a child. You know, I mean, Elijah's alone for three years. He comes uh, and he meets with the prophets of Baal. He has this incredible victory where they're all burned up and, and he calls fire down and it and it does all this stuff, and it's amazing. The next day when Jezebel uh, threatens him, he he falls apart, and God tells the God, just kill me. I just don't want to be here anymore. And God's like, Elijah, uh, calm down. There, you're not all by yourself. So being alone is not helpful. And um, throughout Scripture, throughout history, we see that men have always had to come together to make things work. The... Um, technological revolution, uh, the industrial revolution first, and now the technological revolution has made it so that we don't have to come together as communities anymore. We can just hire out this, hire out that, and I can live my whole life without ever having to know anybody. And it is devastating. I think it's one of the things that is really dividing up America um, because we're not accountable. Yeah, We don't have brothers going, hey, man, uh, I know you, Brian. And you don't look right today. And I think there's something going on in your life. And you go, oh, hey, uh, maybe I need to have a real conversation, but we don't have true friends. They don't know us well enough. We get to walk around with our walls up. Yeah. So you're saying it's not cool to just hang out with a virtual Facebook group. It's not cool to just be hanging with your cohorts and your coworkers on a Zoom call. I guess that's why live events are part of Promise Keeper's plan. Yeah. There's safety in that, isn't there? I mean, we get to really be the ultimate in fake if all of our friendships are over a, a computer that we can control. That's the problem with pornography. Pornography never says no. Pornography never has a headache. It never has to be in the mood. I don't have to pour myself out and love pornography and, and, and remember when pornography's birthday is and have a real relationship with pornography. And that's why men are retreating into this so they don't have to have real relationships. And that's true of friendships because friendships are hurtful sometimes. People hurt you, they betray you, and also they call you out on your crap, right? Yeah. So there's that friendlessness, but back to sort of the meat of this question, which is the division. We see this now with critical race theory, which is destroying America and destroying the church. And critical race theory basically says that um, if you're white, you live in a magic land that's just set up for everybody else and you're just racist and you can't help it. And if you're black or brown, you can't make it, so why even try? I mean, that's basically what critical race theory is yeah. about. And, and, and if I was born middle-class white in the 1960s, I'm guilty from the moment I came out of the womb and I should walk around with guilt and shame for something that was done perhaps another time in another era and I need to make reparations now. That's crazy. And, and going out to denominational issues, I mean, we see people at each other's throats about whether you speak in tongues or don't speak in tongues. I, I, had, um, I brought this up at an event of pastors and... Um, one of the pastors came up to me afterwards and he was red in the face, wow. know, just angry and saying to me, if you don't speak in tongues and you're not a Christian. 
And I just said, you're an idiot. Show me that in the, where, where does it say that in the Bible? In fact, Paul says it's the least of the gifts. So um, we have this division and these people who are, are dividing us and breaking us up. Yeah. And we have to ask ourselves, you know, here's a great little story, but the night before um, the Promise Keepers event, Sam Rodriguez, uh, Jamal Bernard, Del DeWint and I were sitting out um, smoking cigars. I can say that, I think. Yeah. We, we were smoking cigars. I smoke a pipe. I, I'm not I'm not man enough to smoke a cigar. They, like, make me feel crummy about a little pipe, you know? As long as it wasn't a vape pipe or a hashish. Mine was an old yeah. school J.R. Tolkien pipe. Good. So that smell nice. So anyway, so we're out there we're out there smoking, and, and AT&T Stadium is right there. And I brought up this controversial theological issue to, to uh, Sam Rodriguez. And Sam's goes, Harrison, seriously, you want to go there now where you have our thing? I go, yeah, I, I don't want to have a debate. I want to have a discussion. Because I go, Sam, I love you, but we disagree on so much doctrinally. So we went down the road for two hours on one issue, and we had an unbelievable discussion, him and I back and forth sharpening each other with scripture. And Jamal just said, man, I have never thought about the things you two talked about. I, I'm really going to go through and think about this. But here was the point. Sam and I, as friends, as guys who really know God's word, were able to sit there and have a calm conversation. I wasn't trying to convince Sam. I was trying to learn from Sam. And Sam wasn't trying to convince me. He was trying to learn from me. And we did. We both came off with a bigger perspective. It wasn't about division. It was about understanding the Bible better through someone with a different perspective. Sam is a math graduate from Lehigh University. I'm an English lit graduate from Oregon State. Yeah. So totally different mindsets of how we approach the issue. And it was amazing. But that's what Christians have to be able to be like. Wow. Disagree and learn from each other. I'm not here to win an argument or to beat you in a debate. I'm here to say, why do you see it that way? Yeah. Help me understand. Today's episode is brought to you through the generosity of Waterstone. For nearly 40 years, Waterstone has assisted givers in supporting their favorite charities, like Promise Keepers, by crafting customized, innovative giving solutions. Waterstone gift strategists stand ready to create your personalized charitable plan, utilizing business interests, real estate, appreciated assets, charitable trusts, giving funds, and more. These donor-specific giving strategies allow givers to bypass capital gains taxes, receive a fair market value charitable deduction, and have tax-free growth for years to come. Prioritize income, minimize taxes, and optimize your giving with Waterstone. Find out how to give and receive the most from your assets by visiting www.waterstone.org. And now, back to today's show. A recent survey from the Survey Center of American Life found our number of close friends has declined considerably. From 30 years ago, when a third of us said we had 10 or more close friends, 1990, 75% of us said we simply had a best friend. This year, only 6 out of 10 people say that. Why is it important for Christian men to have friends? What do you do to carve out time for friendships? And how is Promise Keepers helping Christian men get connected and make friends? So I feel like I answered the first part of that question already about the importance of having friends. But what do you do to have have friends? How do you have friends? What do you do? Because, I mean, a lot of us haven't developed the skill set to have friends anymore. I mean, for instance, you look at the young kids today, they, they have very few uh, verbal skills because they text all the time. You know, we had to... Um, you know, Brian, when we were kids, 
if you want to ask a girl out, you had to walk up and get her phone number and then you had to call her house because there was no cell phones and then her dad would answer and, you know, all that. You, you had the clammy hands and he would like, wait, you want to talk to Tammy? And you're like, ah, yes, sir. This would take <laughs> weeks or months for me. I mean, and then I would like get chicken and it may or may not happen, but you're right. This was happenstance. Uh, maybe we'll talk in the hallway near the lockers. Maybe I won't be going to prom this year. I remember calling a girl one time at like 8.10 and her mother answered and she said, gentlemen, do not call ladies after eight o'clock at night. I swear. I was like, oh, wow. You know, so (laughs) we we had these skills we had to develop that the younger kids haven't developed. But where we've lost our skills as men is just how to make friends. You got to be proactive. And I would just say a couple things on that. First of all, if you say, I'm going to go out and be proactive and make friends, you need to. Seek to make friends that you can serve. What I see a lot of guys will come out and say, well, I'm going to make friends and then they'll go pick out the CEO of, you know, Procter and Gamble. I'm going to be his friend. Well, he he doesn't (laughs) want to be your friend, right? Be friends with people in your, you know, category of, you know. In my wheelhouse, right? In your wheelhouse. Yeah. To make friends who have the same interests. If you're a golfer, make friends with golfers so that you have friends, you have fun, go out and playing golf. If you're a golfer, don't go out and, and make friends with a hunter and then try to get him to come play golf. So be smart about who you make friends with. Third, make friends ar- ar- around church and around Christ. So what are we doing to help out with that is ex- exactly that. Mm-hmm. Through our app, there's about, because I think I said earlier, there were 17,000 guys on the app before the event. I assume it's probably four or five X times that now. I really don't know. But, and the app's getting better and better as we pour money into it, but we're able now to create friendships. We're calling them fire teams of four men coming together around common interests. So again, if we want to get basketball players with basketball players and skiers with skiers so that you really want to go out and hang out with these guys because you have common interests and your wife's like, I really want you to go hang out with those guys because you always come back a better man. You always come back sharpened because it's through Promise Keepers, it's through the app so that you're getting together with guys around what's the common thing, promise keepers. So the common thing is um, around scripture, around masculinity, around Christ, around relationship. So number one, common interest. Number two, around the promise keepers app. Don't try to make this some kind of holy um, chore. You know, sometimes I'll see people that people come up to me and say, you know, I want to get in better shape. How do I, how do I, you know, get in better shape? And a lot of times I'll say, we'll start walking. The best way you can get in shape is just walking. Now, when I say walking, I don't mean get a certain outfit on. I'm going to walk today and you've got your water bottle and you've got your thing. Just go for a walk, man. Just make it a nice time. Same thing with having friends. Don't make this some sort of chore. Truly go out and make friends, but you will have to be proactive. You cannot wait for the friendship to come to you. You're going to have to call guys up. Hey, man, how you doing? Remember that the guy just had a ran in a marathon last weekend and hey, how'd how'd that go for you? It's amazing to me how many guys say that they're my pal and never check in. I mean, we just had the Promise Keepers event and it says a lot, the guys that immediately called me and said, that was amazing or how did it go? Because I was busy. And then there's other guys who tell me they're they're my great friend and they didn't even remember that we had this huge event and they'll text me, what did you do last weekend? Uh, I was in Dallas. What were you doing in Dallas? Uh, That thing I've been talking about for three years. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) so. Well, you know, and I got a, I got a call from a buddy 
And uh, this is a question for you, Ken. He said, oh, darn, I missed the event. I, I don't know what happened. I missed July 16, 17. I blew it. Is there any way I can watch it online or get involved now? Also, where is the swag? Some of those hats and shirts are really cool. So, Ken, that's a question from my buddy. I got so many guys like this. Oh, yeah, you invited me to that thing, and I blew it. See, I got a lot of friends like this. They're buddies from a long time ago, but everybody's so busy. Everybody's so busy, and I don't blame them. We're friends when we find time. What do you say to the guy that missed it? How does he get involved now, and where does he get that cool hat? I've gotten a bunch. Of, I, I, a bunch of pastors are contacting me. Oh, because they saw the the articles that came out, Promise Keepers, of course, Big Comeback, and all this. If I only would have known, I'm like, dude, you knew about this the whole time. Well, you didn't. You didn't tell me, you know, enough times, and I'm like, <laughs> you didn't call me ten minutes before it started to remind me. I'm like, if it would have been important enough to you, you'd have remembered, you know. But um, yeah, for those guys, so it, we're editing it now down to um, the, the event itself and taking out the gaps and whatnot, and that'll be available any day now on the website. And you got to pay for it, but I don't know how much because I don't pay attention to all that stuff. Keep checking the website. Keep checking promisekeepers.org for the website, and by the time this airs. It'll, it should be ready. Hey, the other place that I go that I get most of my information because I'm on Facebook a lot is most everything that's on the website is available as a portal through Facebook. I mean, there's either a reminder or it drives you. So on the on the swag thing, uh, we had some stuff. We had these really cool hats that were like black on black or white on black. They sold out within an hour. Wow. So, yeah, I know. And then with these shirts, it was actually really cool. It's, it's a big PK. It's like this. But it's the Texas flag, so it's like a big star. And you knew those were cool because those sold out by, by Saturday morning. Everybody wanted them. But we came down, my family, into the stadium and were there. And then Michael Irvin and, and Charles Haley were next to us in a truck arguing over signing footballs, you know, like athletes will do, giving each other a hard time. And so I said to my son-in-law, Nolan, who played defensive tackle for Liberty, I'm like, hey, come meet Charles Haley. I know it'll be a big deal. And so we go walking over there, and as soon as we go, there, Irvin – uh, grabs my son Coleman, who's wearing that shirt. He's like, "Dude, where'd you get that shirt?" And uh, well, Coleman's like, "Well, you can get it at the thing." He's like, "I got you. Got to get me." He looks at me. He's like, "Ken, you got to get me one of the shirts." So I, uh, I'm like, "Okay, someone find Irvin one of these shirts." So about about half an hour later, I go down and I see Irvin. He's now wearing the shirt that had sold out. Yeah. And he's like, "Bro, I'm gonna wear this shirt everywhere." And then he gets on my stage and he's like, "This shirt is so cool." So. You know the shirt was cool, right? Hold so on. We're so so Irvin's up. wearing it on stage? On stage that he just got. And, you know, he had on these glittery jeans, you know. With the, he, <laughs> oh, he had, he on, he had awesome. on those fancy jeans? Oh. I, those North Dallas jeans? Fancy. I don't even know what they were, <laughs> man. They were glittering. And I'm like, okay, you have to have been a Hall of Fame wide receiver to be able to wear those jeans yeah. in public. <laughs> My goodness. So is there a gift shop on the main website? There is. Um, there's some cool stuff on there. I mean, I actually bought that shirt. I was just telling the story about Irvin. I bought that from our website when it came out like a month ago because I thought it was so cool. And then we sold out of it right away. So there is some cool stuff on there. We're having to reprint those shirts with the big PK and the Texas colors. But there's some cool stuff on there now. And I know we have some of those really great hats. Uh, there's one on there. There it is. Thanks for listening to On The Edge Podcast with Ken Harrison. For a lot of you, this is our first time meeting, and I want to tell the men listening about an organization I'm the current chairman of, Promise Keepers. Promise Keepers is an organization founded by Coach Bill McCartney that's led men across the world to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Promise Keepers is calling men back to courageous and bold servant leadership. To learn more and get involved in the mission of Promise Keepers, visit promisekeepers.org. Follow on social media or download the Promise Keepers app on Apple Store or Google Play by searching Promise Keepers. Through the Promise Keepers app, you'll receive access to devotionals, Bible studies, and other great articles and video content, and a community to build friendships, lead your family, and become transformative leaders. See you next time for On the Edge with Ken Harrison. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app.